0: To be someone who is perceiving or, or positioning himself as, as kind of becoming a global leader in this, this in, the, in the problem space that he or she are trying to solve. Okay. And and this should be the belief. If you have 20 more folks trying to solve it, and this is the 21, 21st solution to that, which is more of the same, in theory, it might be a success, but it's not that exciting. Right? You want to see some kind of unique approach some novel solution, which leads to the fact that typically when we're looking with founding team, you want to see one strong individual who's coming from, let's call it the problem space, familiar with the problem, it's depth, it's realistically, not just conceptually. And at the same time, the other co-founder should be someone who's ideally coming from the solution space, i.e. the the tech uh, familiarity, knowing kind of what's going to work, what's not going to work, how to apply it. Mm -hmm.
1: Welcome to Twenty Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey; each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. Twenty Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make a Wish Israel and Tech to Peace, and is in proud collaboration with Secret Cord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups and Hippo, and in media partnership with CTEC. Yair thank you uh, for joining me uh, for 20 Minute Leaders. Uh, not uh, trivial times, but there's always a great time for some inspiration and to a relive a journey uh, and uh, especially one as awesome as yours. So thank you very much for joining me.
0: Gladly. Thank you.
1: Wonderful. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, where you grew up. What, you know, who were you growing up? Obviously, today you're with, with Dell Capital and, and Investments and, and you have quite an, a, quite an amazing career underneath you. But tell me a little bit about your upbringing.
0: So, you know, it's funny, I grew up in a place. So to begin with, when I was a young student, I was not a very successful one. At some point, kind of the teacher asked my mom, maybe we should find kind of an alternative plan for him because effectively I was behaving well and everything, but I was just not into studying. I was not into writing. I was not into reading. I was not into, it just, I was bored. And at some point, I think it was in the fifth grade or so, something is completely, and I don't know why and how, but it's kind of 180 degrees change. And ever since, I've, I mean, I've started taking things so seriously and, and kind of, there was, as a young child, very young child, there was kind of a first lesson that kind of, do never underestimate your ability to, to kind of push yourself forward, okay? Do not let others kind of pull you back. And, you know, fast forward 10, 15 years and, and even more, uh, you know, later in my, first was the military service and then career and everything, studies and everything kind of, uh, I kind of learned to realize that uh, no is not a bad sign. Actually, it's a challenge. It's an opportunity. I'm not saying that every no evolved to becoming a yes. But effectively, when I'm looking at the key success points along my career, i uh, all, the common denominator to most of them or the, the great majority of them was that it began with a no, that's not going to happen. We're not going to succeed. It's unlikely to happen. You're doomed to fail, whatever. And you know, uh, apparently some of those things did succeed. So the, the bottom line is to trust yourself, believe in your way and, and you know, be stubborn with yourself. I'm not saying mm-hmm. not to listen to the other person feedback, but kind of, if you think that you're doing the right thing just do it
1: mm-hmm. oh and what what things were you particularly curious about you know during these times so the the nose that you received and the different what, what were the elements that you really were convicted on that you that paths that you wanted to walk
0: i think that kind of you know in our profession we're, we're a vc right so we're looking for good investment that eventually would yield good returns, right? Good financial returns. And with that kind of concept uh, and, you know, all in all, from different angles, colors, it is, and shades, I've been doing it for so-called like almost 17 years now. Uh, it's always the mix of how big the problem that, that those genius folks want to solve and the quality of the team, you know, effectively, we're an early mm-hmm. stage investor, right? We're leading early stage rounds, 8 and And for us, this is the thing, right? You want to see a team with a spark, with the capabilities, with the chutzpah, with the belief that they were able to go through walls, acknowledging what they know as well as what they're missing, which is completely okay. No one should know everything, but you should know that you don't know if you don't know and what you don't know. Uh, so far it's been working remarkably, you know, so, uh, we're kind of, uh, we're, we're finding it hard to let go of that paradigm as long as it works.
1: I love it. So, so. Tell me a little bit about uh, Dell Technologies Capital. Obviously, all of us know, know Dell. You and I have gotten to, to, uh, to, to engage a little yep. bit and for me to get to know a little bit about your work. And I think it's really, it's yep. really amazing. And, and you, have, you have work all around the world, but you're particularly focused on Israel and Europe. Tell me a little bit about this group, its connection to Dell and what you're particularly doing.
0: So I'd say that it's a pretty unique team uh, in the sense that, you know, it's a founder-led team. So Michael does effectively owns and runs it, okay? We're investing, we're doing the early-stage investment, tech investment on his behalf. So we're headquartered in, in the Bay Area with also offices in Boston and Tel Aviv. Uh, we're leading very early-stage rounds, okay? we're, we're Post-investment, we will work very intensively, closely with the team, do whatever we can to help, support, and, and for them to succeed and for us to be fortunate for being part of it. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's kind of, it's a unique model in the sense that it's structured like a single LP fund. And to that extent, we have more flexibility and, and option to run it the way it should be, unlike the way that it usually is where you have various constraints, etc. So if we're seeing something interesting, we would invest, at least we try to invest. Uh, we don't have any pressure to, to over-invest, i.e. invest in cases that we don't think or we don't want because there's kind of a uh, fund to, to run and, and the need urge to deploy uh, capital. Uh, so it's pretty flat model. On the other hand, which is also good in my opinion, we're measuring or being measured only by DPI. So effectively, dollars in, dollars out, okay? Not on the paper, not conceptually, not theoretically, not in the future, at any given moment, how much dollars, physical dollars we've invested, how much physical dollars we've returned. And kind of that cleans out the model. And it also adds more, I'd say, rationality into the dynamics with the team. Okay. We're not pushing them to go with insane valuations. We're not pushing them to fundraise when they know they they don't need funds. We can invest in as much as we think and as much as needed. Kind of life is very simple for us. Good news. The challenging, which also good news to me is that we need to deliver. We need to show physical, real results rather than, you know, Paperwork and other, uh, let's call it uh, synthetic uh, parameters. Um, so that kind of keeps our life very simple and very focused on what success looks like and what we're trying to achieve or, or help our founders achieve. And the founders and the team, those are the people who are building the companies, not us. Let's be realistic. But we're there to do whatever we can to help and, and, and support them and, and be there for them. And then, you know, it's been a great fun, it's a lot of work. These are not always happy moments because this is real life, but this is the meaning of of you know this this engagement the, the this partnership.
1: so so you know move, doubling down on this on the, this question of uh, of of the structure of the fund that you chose to to be a, to be a significant part of you, you're mentioning the the dynamic between the sim, the simple nature of the fund, but with the responsibility that comes with it and with the added layer of uh, measurability, perhaps, or the realism behind what this represents, you know, what, what, how does this impact the the types of companies you're looking at the way that you're, the way that you're looking at companies in these early stages, how does it shape your, your engagement level um, in your, in your considerations rather than perhaps a more traditional multi LP fund where generally have the, the traditional fund structure of raising fund after fund
0: it effectively has two aspects or two meanings so-called a we need to do good investments right and just to be clear we're not being measured for our investment we'll be measured for our returns at the end of the day yep. Yep. so this is point number one point number two given the fact that we're leading early stage rounds the underlying assumption would be should be that hey we're going to be working together very tightly and hence. There needs to be good chemistry. There needs to be kind of mutual motivation to, to engage beyond the Uh mm-hmm. And these are kind of the key, the two key aspects aspects that are being taken into consideration when we are exploring and investing.
1: Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Okay, so within the investment world, you I guess you're you there are areas where where you're more particularly curious in, especially from, yeah. from your background in Microsoft and different different uh, organizations. You know what do you find yourself more leading into either from a a type of leadership of entrepreneur or type of company type of problem that they're solving
0: i think that it should be both okay sorry for uh, that might not be satisfying answer but i think that it has to be a combination a leader so is literally is, is yeah, a leader what does that mean yeah it means that it needs to be at the same time someone leading the venture and, and doing whatever changes and accommodations needed you know, down down the road, and at the same time, it needs to be someone who is perceiving or or positioning himself as as kind of becoming a global leader in this, this in the in the problem space that he or she are trying to solve. Okay, and and this should be the belief. If you have twenty more folks trying to solve it, and this is the 21, 21st solution to that, which is more of the same. In theory, it might be a success, but it's not that. Exciting, right? You want to see some kind of unique approach, some novel solution, which leads to the fact that typically when we're looking with founding team, you want to see one strong individual who's coming from, let's call it the problem space, familiar with the problem, it's deaf, it's realistically, not just conceptually. Yeah. And at the same time, the other co-founder should be someone who's ideally coming from the solution space. I.e. the the tech uh, familiarity, knowing kind of what's right. going to work, what's not going to work, how to apply it, kind of this mix. Uh, again, given, given, also given the, the, the type of the individual should kind of bring the company to to, to to crack it, you know.
1: And are there particular problems or particular types of problems that you're personally interested in? And obviously at the end uh, it's, it's a very personal dynamic. You mentioned that, yes, you, know, you need to make good investments. You need to choose good companies and good leaders. But ultimately, you need to also choose the ones that you're going to work well with and you're going to support. And from, from what I hear, you're also, very, you're also very intentional in the support that you provide the, the founders and the yeah. companies that you back. So what, 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 what problems do you think are, are ones that, you're, that you particularly want to work on?
0: So I'm glad for the way that you've kind of defined the question because effectively to your point, we are looking for teams solving a real problem or real pay, not Mm -hmm. something kind of that's going to be nice to have that's complimentary, no, a real painful problem. And these problems would typically, I would map, I mean, you have various spaces, I would say it goes into the space of either solving procedural issue, i.e. there's currently a process, but it's ineffective. It's too much capital demanding. It takes too long or it's too complicated to solve it. So there, these are interesting approaches and to resonate with that, you have AI, ML and all of these, uh, uh, technologies or, or science behind it that should enable, at least address some of it. And I believe that it's going to be a growing portion of it. it's going to be addressed and solved by these advanced technologies. uh nice. And you have uh, what we call infrastructural challenges, okay, in the DevOps space, in the cybersecurity space, many areas where there's an opportunity for a novel tech approach to disrupt the way things work or don't work today to enable that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these are kind of, uh, this is a rough mapping of the issues that that we're trying to address, uh, or that we're trying to have our our entrepreneurs addressing more precisely. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, this would be you know, in, to, in in today's reality, you know, organizations that need to deal with internal procedures, like you know, it can be legal, it can be finance, it can be auditing, it can be in the in the R and D space. There are multiple processes there. The the larger the companies are, the less efficient they are. The larger the workloads, the workloads uh, there are, the less possibilities to address it with with existing technologies. So we're looking for someone to go through that and enable kind of novel, novel capabilities. Uh, and same goes for the infrastructure or the enablement world where we see kind of uh, unique technologies from unique approaches, trying to, to mitigate on the lack of ability, lack of resources, uh, lack of visibility to enable a breakthrough there. These are kind of, I'd say. These are the type of things. Uh, it can apply to AI, ML. It can apply to the modern data stack, where obviously there's a vast realization that, you know, in a matter of time, unless you're going to be data driven, it would be very hard for you to survive as a business, mm-hmm. and given the competition and everything, so you need to have unique approaches there: how to, s- to s- store your data, how to manage it, and how to utilize it. Is much mm-hmm. easier said than done, uh, and you need. You know, uh, uh, other areas that are also of, of high interest would be, uh, uh, you know, those, uh, well, what we call unique breakthroughs, uh, in, in the way people are doing business. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that applies to go to market approaches, to managing your sales organization, your finance organization, with all the new metrics, with all with all the kind of, for many years, there's been kind of acceptance or willingness uh, let's call it to accept blindness, i.e., not realizing, not really understanding what's going on within your organization. I think that again, coupled with the macroeconomic environment that we're living in, it's becoming uh, kind of impossible. Okay, there's as much that you can do without fully realizing and understanding what's going on within your organization, and I think that this is one of the major issues and problems for large, medium to large organizations these days. It's hard to effectively know what's really going on unless you're going to be utilizing kind of advanced technologies, uh, oh, yeah. same goal, you know, it sounds,
1: it sounds like a pretty, you know, the, the way that you're thinking about it is you're, you're, you've articulated a few pillars from, from unique, from unique perspective into the problems to to the founding team, the unique perspective on the problem space from one of the founders to a probable and and unique novel solution from 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 other parties or perhaps the same founder and other parties in the founding team you're looking for novel unique approaches technologically that are in emerging spaces that are relevant obviously to the times that we're in in, in these crazy revolutions and you've outlined a few of those a few of those spaces ml data stack tech stack and um and, and cybersecurity but then that's not enough. It actually needs to also have a significant impact on on workflows and, and a significant yeah. ability to integrate into these workflows and be an impactful catalyst within organizations for adoption. And so the, there's that sort of the business aspect of of the, of the product. And so it, it sounds yeah. like I captured did I capture those those three elements that that we've outlined here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do we have one or two more minutes? Because I'd like yes? to. To, to kind of of course put a light on a, on a different relevant topic so with that, with that in mind kind of we, we discussed mapping processes and, and doing everything let's take it if with your permission to a slightly different world of reality in today's unfortunate reality here which is kind well, of a stress test for all of us unfortunately mm-hmm. we didn't choose it but it is what it is and we're dealing with it yeah again and startups are not large enterprises so there's still more ability to map everything and know what's going on this is kind of part of the privilege of working with uh, relatively early stage companies. Obviously today, some of our companies are early stage, some of them have matured and will will definitely no longer uh, early growth and they're far beyond it. When things happened here, uh, we kind of took very immediate action, okay? Call it a manual action. Uh, We kind of mapped, uh, we we did kind of, uh, I'd say, kind of a matrix. We try to analyze what's gonna happen. Uh like a three think of it like a three by three matrix. Okay. Assuming the things would continue the way they are for short time, got it a month or so. Assuming assuming things would continue the way they are, got it for six months or so, which is a long period. And assuming things unfortunately potentially escalate, right? Becoming even worse and, and you know, with all the possible threats all around us. And for each of these scenarios, we've defo- we, we've kind of uh, 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 tried to define what are the short-term aspects, mid-term aspects, and long-term aspects. And for each of these quadrants, kind of, we mapped the key processes, okay? We've reprioritized wherever it was needed. We've mapped the key resources within these, within, uh, these processes, okay? human capital, funds, whatever you can think of, okay, and kind of build uh, a contingency plan, okay, for what if, okay, what's needed, what needs to be prepared ahead of time, Uh, HR redundancy, process process continuity, business continuity, customers, anything you can imagine, right, again, in line with the company status. What are we willing to kind of sacrifice for the sake of other things to continue uh, working efficiently and, and normally as much as possible, including unique budget allocations and all that stuff, okay? So kind of that shows you in an ideal world, you would have technology that kind of maps it and does it for you, but given its upsells, we had to do it manually pretty quick, by the way, I have to say it took, it didn't take more than a few days. Obviously none of us has expected it, it caught us all by surprise. Uh, Nevertheless, it was pretty successful, you know, it also, again, it was not intent, but when you're doing such an analysis, it kind of sharpens your understanding, kind of, it crystallizes the priorities and what's really critical, kind of, it pushes you into the situation where you need to make decisions that otherwise you might have not been taken or not at this point. So actually there's also something positive about the process. And, you know, there are derivatives for that, right? You need to manage the interface with the customers, what you're saying and what you're not saying. You need to to manage the interface with your investors, mainly foreign investors, right? Making sure that they realize that we're on top of things. Everything is being managed. We're not just being driven or, or, you know, pushed to that event, kind of. And that was kind of high priority. Uh, And obviously, in parallel, as a team, we're a partnership, right? We had to fully communicate with our partners kind of letting them as soon as like saturday afternoon hey here's what's going on or at least that's how we understand it for now these are the implications here's what we're going to do everything is under control and i think that this is kind of critical in these days not only to do the right things but also don't assume that if we're okay in dealing with it people out there outside uh realize and, and acknowledge it okay not because they don't want but honestly if you don't if you're not here it's slow really realistic to expect others to understand what's going on and how things are being addressed and and i think that this is a message that at least some companies should be taken into consideration uh you know the past two to three years have been unbelievable in terms of of you know the changes that that we've all of us had to go through we had the covid we had post covid we had things here locally with our governmental issues then there's the war there's gonna be a new era the post war, which Unfortunately, we're not there yet, but that would pose new challenges as well. So kind of in today's reality, the amount of changes and flexibility required from from entrepreneurs, founding teams, employees is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Uh, and I think, again, unfortunate situations and circumstances, but I do think that it really strengthens and put the companies in a position to plan in a, in a smarter way, in a way that not only reacts to, to, to prices dive, but also to market changes, to customer preference change, to, to, everything. Okay. Kind of this unique flexibility protocols muscle, I believe would be a good core competence that would enable a lot of companies to grow further and, and, and go beyond themselves.
1: And it sounds like this, the, the circumstances that you're articulating here and this need to be more adaptive, more resilient, to more, um, more flexible, it, it shines light on those that fulfill perhaps more be- that fulfill better the, the the things that you're looking for in in these types of in yep. these types of companies and weeding yep. out those that are that are really of excellence and so yeah yeah i really yep. want to thank you for for joining me this was a wonderful thank, thank you, so you. really enjoyed it. thank you perspective i i really really appreciate it thank you so much thank take care my
0: friend thank you yeah. We'll
1: be